I have um, a sermon, a word this morning, and um, I bring it to you just, there's a, a large percentage of our, the people in our church family now are new or relatively new, and we're trying to get everybody caught up to have the same DNA. And so I wanna continue some of the thoughts from last week, and um, we're gonna, I'm gonna just kinda teach you through um, the core values of our church. And this is not gonna be boring, this isn't like a membership, corporate, organizational, structural gathering. This is the word. And um, so I wanna bring it to you just like that. And um, you know, on, on iMovies, when you're editing, you can like, you can set the speed you want, like you can set it at 110%, and you can take like a, a 10 minute talk and make it nine minutes. And so will y'all just pray that the Holy Spirit will just make this, this hour long sermon, 40 minutes. How many of you have that kind of faith around here? All right, y'all don't have it. Maybe he'll take this hour sermon and make it an hour and 20 minutes. We don't preach sermonettes around here because we don't have Christianettes. Um, if if y'all needed a 20 minute sermon, God would have given me a 20 minute sermon. So it's your fault that we're here for an hour, right? Um, I wanna talk to you and the title of the, the message this morning is Imagine. Ephesians 3, verse 20 and 21, Paul said this. Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine. Everybody say the word imagine. imagine. To the one who's able to do more than we can ask or, ima or imagine. According to his power that is at work within us. And then this. To him be glory in the church. Say that with me. To him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. And I want to talk about that. The Passion Translation says this. He will achieve infinitely more than your greatest request, your most unbelievable dream, and exceed your wildest imagination. He will outdo them all. Do you believe the word of God is true? Could we spend 15 seconds? Can you imagine if this became a Bible church, a New Testament church where Jesus alone is exalted and the kingdom of God comes and the songs that we sang actually come true and he fills this place and these relationships where lives are healed, where hope is restored. Can you imagine? Can you imagine? The Bible says he can do more than you can imagine. Anybody got a wild imagination? I got a wild. The Bible teaches us. Now, please don't look at me in that tone of voice. I'm, I'm here to talk to you this morning. I'm serious. You don't have an imagination that can challenge or stretch the power of our God. And that power is at work in you and in us. Your wildest imagination. We um, just came back from our staff and elder retreat this past weekend. Pastor Mike Adkins, who provides care for my wife and I, he and Patty, and we, we treasure their friendship with us. He spoke, 
Pastor Munn spoke yesterday morning a great uh, deal to kick us off and just talked about the divine convergence of what God is doing here. But Pastor Mike Atkins opened up Friday and he said this to start the whole weekend. He said, in prayer, God had told him to tell us, do nothing to keep the crowds, but do everything to keep the anointing. That's what he said. And, and for the next 36 hours, we, he had our rapt attention. And that's what we're here to do. To do everything we can to please him. To keep his presence welcome among us. Dick Halverson, the longtime um, Senate chaplain, said this. In the beginning, the church was a fellowship of men and women centering on the living Christ. Then the church moved or spread to Greece where it became a philosophy. Then it moved to Rome where it became an institution. Next, it moved to Europe where it became a culture. And finally, it moved to America where it became an enterprise or a business. And there is more truth in this than you and I could ring out in one sermon. But everybody hear me. I'm going to do my best. When we talk about the word orthodox, it means that which is right. And you practice that which is right. Or that which has, be, listen, has become the standard. Or that which is thought to be right. And we live in a day when the Orthodox Church is not really the church. It's a copy of a copy of a copy of a copy. And most of us have not experienced a New Testament church in our lifetime. You say, Pastor Chuck, how can you say that? Just trust me. I don't say that with any insecurity. Most of us have not experienced an Orthodox church where it said in the beginning the church was a fellowship of men and women centering on the living Christ. We don't want to be a copy of a copy. We want to be one of the originals. Are y'all out there this morning? Come on, how many of you? We, we want Holy Spirit to be as welcome here as he was in the book of Acts. In the name of Jesus. Now, there's five things that I want to talk you through and just so you can catch up on the DNA and the culture of Restoration Church. And one is, the first one would be vertical, second biblical, spirit-filled, next generation. Uh, these will all pop up. And, oh, they are popping up. How about that? And then um, missions-minded. Now, in vertical, which is the first one, there's four components of a vertical church. Many of you, most all of you know, um, in the early 2000s, I left the pastor ministry because I read a book called The Shaping of Things to Come from a missionary from Australia, and it just messed me up. Long story short, I just became sickened with the American church. It was so relevance-oriented. It was so seeker-oriented, and we had sacrificed so many biblical things 
to try and be hip and cool and relevant and reach people. And I had been raised, and what my experience in the Word of God was, God is holy and He is the most relevant thing or person ever and nothing will ever be cooler, hipper, writer, fresher, dapper um, than, in, than God. And, and He doesn't need our help now, I understand trying to become all things to all people, but if that becomes your ultimate deal to connect with people as opposed to connecting with God, then you're going to set yourself up for some troubling ways. And so I had just gotten sick. The church of the, in the West had become so um, consumer-oriented and me-centered, and it was all about us. And so I just, for about 10 years, we led a network of house church um, house churches and we raised our children for the primary the bulk of those years our kids grew up in a house church with about 35 people and the Lord began to speak to us about a year before we came here about a year and a half about that the Lord was going to be bringing us back into a more traditional ministry and the Lord had, had given great detail on that and it was about that in the pulpit in the churches in America we're, we're not preaching the word and, and, and people are not declaring the word. We're doing Oprah and Dr. Phil and, and life skills and how to balance your checkbook and raise children. And we're not teaching the word. And the Lord then began, oh, not long after that, opened the door for us to come back here. And, and for the last three years, we've been here. And God has been really good in helping all of us um, to see life and, and the flourishing power of his spirit come back in this church. And, and this year has been an explosive year, right? I read across a book before I came back called Vertical Church. It's, I, I jumped on a plane and I went to Chicago and I stood before the author of this book and I said, James, I, I, you've probably heard this thousands of times, but I just had to come and tell you, your book saved my pastoral ministry. And it's called the vertical church. In the vertical church, we just spent 10 weeks with about 45 or 50 people. And I would encourage everybody, if you want to be part of our church family, to do two things. Number one, take vertical church. We'll start it again in January. Number two, be a part of growth track. because And that's what the ministry fair today is about. We're not going, hey, we need 13 people working in the nursery. And so just raise your hand and we're going to put you over in the nursery changing diapers. How many of you would just be honest and say, that's not your spiritual gift, right? <laughs> well, but we do believe every need we have in this church, the answer is here. And so whatever our need, the needs of the church are, God is sending people. We want to help you get connected to a place where you can serve with the gifts, the passions, the callings you have. Does that make sense? Okay, so in so. Take Growth Track, it'll be offered in January as well, and then take Vertical Church. Be a part of that scene. Really dig deep for a deep dive in the culture of Restoration Church. Now, there's four things about a vertical church. I don't have four things for the, all five of our core values, but on this one, it's really important because this is our first core value. Number one is a vertical church, it has unashamed worship of God's Son. It's authentic, heartfelt worship where the focus is always on Jesus. And you go, well, duh. No, it's not that simple. Um, even some of worship songs today um, 
I'm not a critical person, but I am very defensive of worship songs that take the focus off of Jesus. And, and there's many of them. And as a shepherd, you know, as parents, Candace and I keep our children away from toxic food. We've tried our best so they can be healthy. And as a pastor, you know, if we sing poor doctrine, we will have poor doctrine. And, you, and, and we'll live out and have a weakened faith because our doctrine is compromised. Are y'all out there? And so, like, you go, well, give me an example. You ready for it? And I'm not doing this so you'll, I'll ruin your favorite song. I'm doing this because I want you to have a critical ear. Because we have a whole lot of Jesus is my boyfriend worship stuff in the American church. Like in the song, what a beautiful name it is. Half of y'all are mad at me already. <laughs> There's one line in there, it's got to be changed. And when we sing it, we change it. Um, and it goes, um, you didn't want heaven without us. So you brought heaven down. And it's as if God is not self-sufficient. Now this is stretch you. He's done everything he can to reach mankind. And he's going to be okay in heaven without me. I'm, I mean that serious. That, that weakens the omnipotence. The self-governing all-sufficiency of God. And it makes me the love that without me, his heart is eternally broken. What's a, there's another one I was thinking of. Holy Spirit, you are welcome here. There's a part that goes, make us aware of your presence, Lord. Let us be, what's it say? Let us experience the glory of your presence. Why, why is it about us experiencing him? Hear me, hear me. Worship him and you will not have to ask him to help you feel his presence. It drives me crazy. Now listen, I'm serious. And when we talk about unashamed worship, it's these musicians, we, we talk about this a lot. Many of these guys are professionals and they care about their craft and they don't just show up here with a song list on Sundays. They rehearse and we talk to them. You know, you may play at weddings and corporate events and a lot of places, but I'm asking you, and I'm not asking you to, you know, be compromised there, but I am asking you, May this be the biggest event of your week when we come here. May you, Will, and, and Dean, and Lisa, and Glenn, and Lewis, and Dean, will you understand that you, your hands and your guitar, they must be sacred, and they must be consecrated as we play. We play unto him. And may we understand unashamed worship it's not about a person that's why sometimes once every two or three months i'll just say we all move off the stage the musicians singers everybody gets out of the spotlight and we say let's do this he's not here where we can see him but he's here and we say let's worship jesus you go really you make that big of a deal 
Yeah, it's first of the four things. It's, it's, listen, it's before preaching. Unashamed worship is because if we have shallow worship, our hearts aren't, our, our beat down, calloused hearts haven't been made soft and supple by the oil and the warm oil of the spirit. And when our hearts, today, did you feel it when we went from outer courts, inner courts? Only you are holy. Did you feel it? You go, stop talking about him. Stop singing about him. We are here. Everybody be captured by the one who gave his life for you. He's here. Give him your heart. Vertical church. It starts there. Now, how many of you are okay that I just crucified your two favorite worship songs? <laughs> we take editor's license. We'll sing those songs and we just um, infringe on the copyright a little bit. Secondly, a vertical church is about the unapologetic preaching of God's word. Um, I won't be the most polished preacher. Um, I won't be the smartest preacher you've ever heard. But I will be honest with you and I will share from my, my own life. And I would ask for you to pray for me and everybody else who ever holds this microphone to preach the word of God. Listen. I don't think we understand how important it is. The older I get, the more I realize enough with the family stories, away with the cute rhymes. Nobody needs a poem, Pastor Chuck, because man does not live on bread alone or entertaining hip, relevant pastors, celebrity preachers. They live by what comes from the mouth of God. Unapologetic, it's not right wing, Rush Limbaugh, Fox News. If you don't get your act right, you're gonna split hell wide open. It's not fire and brimstone. But it's, I'm not sorry. This is what the word says. You go, well, like, what do you mean? We, we need a lot of instruction on Little boys need to go into the male bathroom. And little girls need to go into the female bathroom. And this is what the word says. And there's a lot of other things too about racism. A lot of other things. It's the word. And who is the word? Jesus is the word. And so it's about unapologetic preaching. Oh, I could talk a lot. Isaiah said, my ways are higher than your ways. That's why I sent my word so I can get your low ways up to my highways. And my word's so powerful, it will fulfill itself. If you receive it, it will never come back to me empty or void. How many of you want the word of God? You don't want Pastor Chuck's opinion or philosophy. You want the word of God. Hallelujah. Come on, somebody. Number three, unceasing prayer from God's people. We pray on Tuesdays from 6 to 7 as a group. We pray on Saturday mornings from 9 to 10 in the morning. We pray on Sunday mornings over there across in the prayer room from nine to church starts or something like that. And we pray all week long. In this church, prayer is the engine of this church. Everything we're doing right now is the fruit of the, what, we, what we planted this week in prayer. Prayer births, births things. 
There are 28 chapters in the book of Acts. How many? 28 chapters in the book of Acts. In 27 of those chapters, listen, the church was either in a prayer meeting, on the way to a prayer meeting, or had just left a prayer meeting. That's why it's called the book of Acts and not the book of thoughts or doctrines or opinions. It's called the book of Acts. Unceasing prayer. You carry your Bible, you don't scare the devil. You kneel in prayer, your phone, Facebook, you will get more dings because the devil does not want you to learn how to pray. And God wants you to. Are y'all out there? Don't make me preach 10 minutes. Just If you clap, you'll save five minutes on every one of these points. Just, just receive it. Because I could talk, and y'all know I could, but... The, third, the fourth thing about the unafraid witness of the gospel is the last thing of vertical church. And so can you, yeah, there are all four of them. A vertical church, everybody listen. It's not horizontal. Please focus right here. This is gonna set some of you free on how to find a church for the rest of your life. Horizontal church is what most of us are familiar with in America. It's what do people like? What are the neighbors across the street? How can we get them to come? What do they value? What kind of church would they like? That's been a big movement in the American church for 30 plus years. And look where we are. A vertical church doesn't say, what are the people like? The vertical church says, what does he like? How can we get him here? What does he value? He ought to know it's his church and he gave us a book to tell us what he values, how we should do church, and how we can get him here every time we gather. Come on. Now, when he comes, how will we know it? When his glory fills this room. What's glory? Glory is, listen, the undeniable evidence that he's real. Or the weight of his presence. It's the, the effect of him being here. Like what? Like marriages that are about to end. If they can get a Sunday or two in the glory of God, something happens and they get transformed. Ask vision warriors, people dealing with addictions, if they can get in the glory of God, the addictions begin to lose their grip. When the glory of, that's what a vertical church does. Now listen to this, point number four. We, won't, we will never have a how to evangelize class, how to witness class. Because hear me, when that kind of marriage is getting restored, addictions getting broken, diseases getting healed, the effect of God's power and presence and glory, when that stuff regularly happens, I won't have to tell you to invite the people in your cul-de-sac. You'll be at Trader Joe's like Enoch holding up the whole line, witnessing to the cashier. And who is here today, as a matter of fact, for like four out of the last five Sundays. You'll be going, listen, if I can just get them to the glory room, their life will be messed up in a beautiful way and forever. Are y'all out there this morning? 
Come on, somebody. So we are a vertical church, not horizontal. It's not about what they like. It's about what he likes. It's not about getting them here. It's about getting him here. If he doesn't come, we're wasting our time. Every, you, listen, you ever been to a church service where he didn't come? But it was good enough to where no one noticed. Happens all the time. If he doesn't come, we are wasting our time. But when he comes, one second in his presence can change this world, change your world. Oh, how many of you just want him to come every time we gather? Listen, he's so committed to getting in your grill. He said, if just two of you will gather in my name, I'll be right there outside the door. That's not what he said. I'll be right in the middle of them. Come here. Come here, Gilbert. Come here, Steve. Y'all get together. God says, I'll come right here. I'll get right here. How many of you want God right there and not right here going? Come on, how many of you want God right in the middle of what we're doing, right here? Whoo! All right. I got four more points. We are not just a vertical church, we're a biblical church. Of course you're a biblical church, Pastor Chuck. You're a Christian church. No, we are a biblical Christian church. Sad that we live in a day when unorthodoxy has become orthodoxy, so no one, everybody thinks orthodoxy is unorthodoxy. And we don't want to be unorthodox. We want to be orthodox. How many of you got what I just said? It'll be on Facebook live tomorrow, or Facebook archives or whatever they call it. Matthew 4, 4 says, man does not live on bread alone, but on every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. Isaiah 40, verse 8 says, the grass withers and the flowers fall, but the word of the Lord endures forever. Matthew 24, 35 says, heaven and earth will pass away, but my word will never pass away. Psalm 119, 165 says, great peace have they who love your law, and nothing can make them stumble. It's the word, y'all. It's not life skills. It's not zigzigglering. I've made that a verb. It's not me winning you to me. It's the word. It's not hype, pop psychology, shallow encouragement, how to live your best life now. It's how to live let him live his life through you. And we know that by the word. Y'all know I'm just a Bible addict because in 10th grade, I was your average high school, 16 year old male athlete, friends. And I, I made a commitment to read the word every night. And by October of my sophomore year, I was preaching because the word, I let it get in me. And every, every Sunday, I've had pastors, consultants say, Pastor Chuck, you have, your preaching would be so much more received if you didn't have so many verses in your sermons. And I said, thank you very much. I don't preach sermonettes because we don't need Christianettes. So we can be a churchette. 
We're, we're in an army. There's a battle raging and we need God to speak to us every Sunday and provide us direction in life. Are y'all out there? Number three, we're not only vertical church, biblical church, we're spirit-filled church. Spirit-filled, Pentecostal, charismatic, full gospel. We believe the gifts of the Spirit are for to today's church. Acts chapter one says you will receive what? to be my witnesses. Acts 2, verse 4, all of them were filled with the Holy Spirit. Acts 2, later in that same chapter, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to their people groups. <laughs> Little editorial license there. And to fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. And look, Everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. Look at me. We need to reimagine. God wants this place to get more awe than Six Flags and Disney World. And it won't be hype. God wants when we gather to show up and do such great things. It doesn't say the passionate people who were intense like PC were filled with awe. It says everyone was filled with awe. Ephesians 5 says be filled with the Spirit. 1 Corinthians 14, 1, the chapter opens up and says eagerly desire gifts of the Spirit. And the same chapter closes and says, but everything should be done in a fitting and orderly way. Amen. We are Pentecostal, spirit-filled, charismatic, full gospel. We believe the gifts of the spirit are for today's church, but we don't do crazy. We don't do crazy. First Corinthians, Paul said they had gotten so crazy and out of control, it was chaotic. And he said, when outsiders of the faith, people who are not believers come into your church services, they go, those people are crazy. And Paul said, read it in the message. Paul said, and they're right. But he said, if you do things decently and in order, they, those same people who don't know the Lord will be in your worship experiences. And if you do things decently in order, when they leave, they will say this, surely God was there. Decently in order. The Greek word is the same word plie, we get plie. Listen, the whole, Caroline, one of our daughters was ballet. And she worked more than any of the football players, cross country, long distance runners, basketball players in our family. And she had two performances a year. And the boys would go and be there. And she had been to 40 of their baseball games, football games, basketball games. That plea, they had, you know what ballot, those, those that's dedication. And, the, and every move is calculated and planned. And God says, when the Holy Spirit moves the way I've designed and planned, it won't be like a mosh pit or even break dancing, you know, it'll be beautiful and God honoring and people will leave and go, that was supernatural.
Now, don't you hear me going, he squelches the Holy Spirit. He's not open to, I sat right there in song number three and I said, Holy Spirit, take control. You just take control. And he did. And here we are. You go, well, you, you need to be more open and free because you're causing people to be fearful of moving in the spirit. What we have found here is when you put guardrails around the craziness, people don't, it doesn't cause them to shrink back. It's actually created an atmosphere where people are free to move in the Holy Spirit. You go, Am I making my point? I feel like I really need to make this point because I know that there's a lot of people. The word Pentecost has been hijacked like um, new normal, like virus. We'll never look at some of these words. Lockdown, Black Lives Matter, Pentecost. And some of you are here going, Don't worry about it. It's not going to happen. If he does it in this church, it'll be beautiful and transformative. I preached a sermon on May 31st, and I, this is really coming from my heart. I hope you'll hear me. Um, and I told two stories, you know, Pentecost Sunday. Some people are like, it's all about the Holy Ghost. It's all about deliverance. And, and they, they get things overemphasized and out of balance. And if people aren't swinging from the chandelier and jumping out of the balcony, you know, it's like we didn't have church today. And, and that's not it. It's like, if you were here, you heard me tell a story. A lady invited my little brother and I over for Indian food and we had never had Indian food in my 20s. And she, she put double the amount of curry in the curry chicken. And my little brother and I lost like eight pounds each. We were sweating profusely and we're like, we, we were raised to eat the food put before us. And we got in the car and went straight to uh, like Waffle House to wash that stuff out of our system. It was incredible. And that's how some people was like, Holy Ghost, Holy. It's, it's all about deliverance, dealing with the spiritual warfare and the demonic. No, all this stuff needs to be done in balance. But don't let an experience or something you heard on CNN or Fox about Pentecostal churches make you go, no, I'll take it all, but leave the Holy Ghost out, Holy Spirit out. Because that's what the American church has done. And that's like I said, I like, we love to go to Chipotle. And, and we like cilantro, a lot of it. We actually grew it at our house this, this summer. And without cilantro, that Chipotle burrito is not a Latino burrito. It's a Golden Corral burrito. <laughs> and, and the American church doesn't have flavor. It's missing the, the ingredient. You go, why are you belaboring this? Can I tell you, Jesus said in Acts 1, you will receive power to be my witnesses. In Acts chapter 2, they received that power. And listen, they received that power because they were praying and seeking that power. And when that power, Holy Spirit came, he empowered them and that was the day the church was birthed. So do you think something that could be birthed and initiated in the Holy Spirit could be sustained without him? 
It can't. That's why we welcome Holy Spirit here. Can somebody just, just hold out your hands and just say, we welcome you, Holy Spirit. Can you mean that from your heart? Can you say in your own life, I welcome you, Holy Spirit. Amen. All right. Number four, we are next generation church. Joshua chapter four, verse six, it says, they will be a sign among you in the future. Your children will ask you, what do these rocks mean? I'll come back to that in a second. Acts two, that same passage we just talked about. Peter stood up and he quoted from the prophet Joel in the Old Testament. He says, in the last days, God says, I will pour out my spirit on all people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your young men will see visions. How many of you love for your daughters, your sons, to have the word of the Lord in their mouth and then prophesy? How many of you love for them to have some godly visions that don't include Fortnite? Seriously, their brains are getting robbed of space for the Holy Spirit to be able to give them godly visions. Acts 2.39, this promise is for you and your children. Psalm 78, he established a testimony in Jacob and appointed a law in Israel which he commanded our fathers to teach their children. He commanded our fathers to teach their children that the next generation might know them, the children yet unborn, and arise and tell them to their children so that they should set their hope in God and not forget the works of God but keep his commandments. Deuteronomy 7 verse 9 says, He is the faithful God who keeps his covenant for a thousand generations. How many of you know we're in a season that we are concerned, we need God to help us pass the baton to the next generation? And it's not going to happen accidentally. We must be intentional, relentless, persistent, committed to a vision that we get from God's word. That's why here at Restoration, listen, our budgeting, our staffing, the use of our facilities and the design and build out of our facilities will say that we are committed to reaching and discipling the next generation. We're not, this isn't McDonald's where we put a playground out there to get the kids so mommies and daddies have to eat Big Macs. And I know that this is a church growth technique. Take care of the children and you'll get the parents. And we've cheapened that too. And that's why some of you have had your, your children in church, in children's church services where they got entertained and they, don't have, they can't find the book of Genesis. I say it, but you go, Pastor Chuck, I, I have seven children. I can't waste one Sunday. What's happening in that building right now with Pastor Cindy, if I understand the priority of God, what's happening in here is important. That is too, that might be more important to God what happens out there than what happens in here. And if you struggle believing that, you need to spend a little time reading about the life of Jesus in the New Testament. We must be diligent in, in targeting the next generation. All through scripture, I could preach an hour on this passage right here or on this point, I won't. But let me tell you something, I'm, you may not come back to this church but I pray in your next church, wherever you're going, I only have one Sunday with you. And I want to be honest with you to tell you, you can't raise your children and hope they serve the Lord. They'll turn 13 years old and you'll think, who raised them? 
It is different than you and I grew up in. The world has changed and it's changing more and more. And Satan is programming their minds as early as he can with your smartphone and their iPad. And you think you can let your iPad babysit them and then turn 18 years old and not know one thing about the plan of salvation. God help us, forgive us. Am I telling y'all the truth or not? I don't need you to tell me. I need you to realize it. The children of Israel were miraculously delivered out of Egyptian bondage, 40 years in the wilderness. And they're about to go into the promised land from that desert. And listen, one generation died in the wilderness, mumbling, grumbling, complaining, couldn't be focused on hearing the word. Only two of them that left Egypt, Joshua and Caleb, were able to go in. And God tells Joshua, I'm getting ready to part the, the, uh, the Jordan. It's at flood stage. And you're gonna, this is gonna be your second miraculous, me part the waters and you go in. And he says, God says, I want every tribe, there's 12 of them, I want you to grab a rock out of that riverbed. And when you go across, he says, I want you to build an altar. Specifically, he says this, so that when your children ask, Papa, what's this? You will tell them of the miraculous things I have done to get you here. Do you have any things that are miraculous that God has done to get you where you are? He wants you to share that and your children to be familiar. Oh God, I'm an OU pastor. I've never grown out of it. And two Sundays from this, there's a neck. At one point there were 250 or some more than that that went on the fall retreat. At one point, the youth ministry in this church, it had to meet in this room because there wasn't a camp, a, another building on campus large enough to handle the youth group. Parents from Roswell High School would call here and go, the name of the youth ministry was Next Exit. And they, and they would see our kids wearing next exit gear. And we had parents calling going, where can we, we've understood that that next exit clothing can only be bought at Roswell Church of God. That's what we used to be called. There was a movement here. Four of the youth pastors will be back in two weeks and we celebrate our next exit reunion. Most of you have never been here when we do that and they'll be I don't know, dozens, maybe hundreds of students and their children who are now grown, some serving in ministry, who grew up in this church with Pastor Cindy and her decades of anointed ministry pouring into children. You probably haven't been to a church as committed to reaching the next generation the biblical way as this one. And we're just getting started again. I told the vertical church group, you know, and I, hear me, I don't, I don't mean this in some type of terroristic way, but I pray that at Restoration Church, your children get radicalized for Jesus. And you go, really, radicalized? Like what? Well, when our kids came back from Philadelphia in 1991, a mission trip where we stayed on 52nd Street down in, the, in an old abandoned um, condemned old school 
and it barbed wire and we heard gunshots go off and we stayed there for 10 days with Tony Campolo and it radicalized that group of kids and you were with us, Josh. And when we came back, we had some of our students tell their parents, I don't want you to get me anything for Christmas. This year. It's August. I don't want you to get anything for Christmas for me this year. I want to send that money to Philadelphia to help that ministry. Radicalized for Jesus. Wouldn't you love for God to raise up the next Leonard Ravenhill, the next Reinhardt Bonnke? More than you can imagine. Yeah, I'd like to, that to happen, just not be one of my children. It's okay. You just work with me. You just, if you like it to happen, we'll rub off on you. We'll radicalize you too for the gospel. Can I get a witness, somebody? You know what? <clears throat> I'm up here. I might as well just go ahead and tell you how I feel about it. Number five, missions-minded. Around the world and around the corner. Matthew 28, Jesus said, Therefore go and make disciples of every nation, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you. Would you agree that we've had a generation of people growing up in churches where we've asked people to make decisions, but we haven't made disciples? We need disciples. Jesus said, You'll receive power to be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. We are committed to missions here at Restoration. Um, the tent out in the parking lot is for Buy a Tree, Change a Life, where we will be engaging our community, selling Christmas trees. And it's not just the selling of a Christmas tree. We're raising money for orphanages and children around the world, specifically right now in Cambodia. And you can find out more about that. That's an area for you to serve in missions and outreach, even this month in early December. We support a lot of missionaries around the world, and we didn't Google to get some names. God organically connected us to ministries that are on the front lines, and they need miracles to stay alive. Michael Dawson, hundreds of miles by river from the nearest town in the jungles of Venezuela. Falak Sher, who has an unbelievable testimony in Pakistan. Coleman Bailey, who, was, who has been with us a couple times this year, serving orphans worldwide. The guy got a one-way ticket to West Africa, landed, found some street kids on Facebook and asked them if they would teach him the ropes. And then he got there and realized they didn't speak English. And God led him to now partner with and oversee 61 different orphanages in Africa. Tony Coleco got saved, grew up in Brooklyn, New York. One week later, he and his family were in Romania. Michael Phillips, who was at Kennesaw State, he's now in Europe. Avery Orleans, he's at UGA, works with Wesley, the Wesley Foundation. And there's, there's a great move of God on the campus in Athens. And how many of you thank God for that? Seriously. Um, City of Refuge, I know some, there's some staff members now here from City of Refuge. For many years, 20 some years, Bruce and Rhonda, this church, we've partnered with them. Square Peg Children's Ministry, Sunrise Ministry. Square Peg is Pastor Cindy's out, outreach ministry. Sunrise Ministry is a ministry for um, 
helping people who suffer with addictions and specifically people who have been trafficked. And it's a great ministry based out of Ackworth, Georgia. Vision Warriors, how many of you are here or you, you came to this church either through Vision Warriors or somebody um, from Vision Warriors? Hold your hands up, look around. Back here, here. Um, we've had the privilege over the years of baptizing 12 or 14, and, and it's, a, it's a recovery center that's literally within walking distance. It's about a half mile down Rucker Road. Um, and for three years, we have partnered with them monthly. Now, in closing today, I want to ask you to do something. I want you to open your Bibles with me to the book of Acts. And I want you to um, go with me to Acts chapter 29. And when you find it, raise your hand. All right, Acts 29, ready? Y'all there? How many of you there? Raise your hand. Liar, liar. You know where all liars go. Washington, D.C. That's where they go. Unapologetic preaching. There is no Acts 29. It's being written right now. We are living epistles. What we are a part of is something really special, brothers and sisters. In this day, what God is doing in the earth, don't be fooled by what every bit of the news is saying. They don't know what's happening. They're selling commercials and, and espousing their opinions. You're being brainwashed. They're trying to tell you a story, a narrative that they want to happen. Don't believe it. God is writing his story and he's about to write chapter 29 and it's gonna blow the church's mind because it's beyond their imaginations. <laughs> Sitting in church as a child, when I started reading the Bible, I can remember sitting in services going, these people don't believe it. As a child, it irritated me. And I, 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 as a child, my mom and dad will tell you, when I preached my first sermon from Mark chapter four, I was just as passionate in 1984, actually that was 83, as I am right now. I don't think Christians believe the Bible or they don't read it because they don't know the authority and the power that is available to the church. We are the church of the living God, brothers and sisters. This ought to be a dangerous place for anybody that's bound up in sin or generational bondage or addiction. This should be a dangerous place. If the devil lets you get here, it ought to be over. Why is it not in most churches in our experience? Before you guys start playing, listen to me. Do you know in the Old Testament, 
I'm closing with this. Please, 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 please listen to me. In the Old Testament, the presence of God was the center of the religious experience for the Hebrew Jewish people. They were unlike all other religions and people. In the, in the Holy of Holies, over the ark, the, the, the wings of the cherubim, there was the Shekinah, there was a fire, literally, between, and, and that was God's presence, and it was holy. And you didn't go into God's presence carelessly. The priests would literally, they would put little pomegranates on their garments so that when they, if they stopped hearing them move, they had a rope tied around their ankle and they were like, they died in the presence of God. And so they could have that rope there and they, would, they could pull them back out. Moses said, he, under, he understood this about God's presence. He knew God had gotten them out of Egypt and had sustained them all those years in the wilderness. Please, he valued God's presence like you and I should. To the point he said, God, if you don't go with us, we would rather be here in this desert than in that promised land without you. We live in a day where people go, oh, I want the promised land with or without God. We don't say that. But we have not valued the presence of God. But something happened along the way. In when Jesus died in the curtain of the Holy of Holies, the temple, when it was torn, there was no fearful, intimidating fire of God presence that killed flesh. 70 AD, when the Romans came in and they literally ransacked and destroyed the temple, there was nothing in the, in the Holy of Holies that defended the people of God. And that's because something had changed where one day they valued the presence of God. Listen, listen, the presence of God was their economy. The presence of God was their military. The presence of God was their life. 63 AD, General Pompey, out of curiosity, Rome had come in and done the same thing. And there was a general, a Gentile, who was curious about all he had heard about the Holy of Holies. He writes about this. And he wanted to go into the Holy of Holies and see this thing, the presence of God. And he wrote and said, I opened up the veil, went in, and there was nothing, no presence. The ark wasn't even there. The cherubim, no fire, no Shekinah glory. That was 63 years before Jesus came. 400 years in the intertestamental period from the end of, Ma uh, the end of Malachi when the Old Testament closed. There's 400 years before Matthew is written. 63 years before all that, a Jewish, I mean, a Gentile outsider realizes they're a sham. Oh, that was just inside. Outside in the outer courts and the 
where the people came to worship and the priest showed up, everything, the show went on like it always had. The people went through the process. The, the priest ceremonially cleansed himself. He went in and for, they don't know, they don't know when it happened, but it had just been stolen, gone. There was no presence. And the priest did what a lot of preachers do, went through the motions. He went in and acted like he was in the presence of God, came out and put on the face and acted like he had done the work of the Lord but there was no presence. This is a true story, this is not allegory. That's, the, that's where we are. And all preachers can tell you, you can put the act on. And the people didn't know, but the priest, he went to bed every night with himself and he realized this is just a show. This is a sham. I don't know what to do about it. I can't tell the people. They'll quit coming to the show. How many of you do not, you're not up for a show? Used to, I feel, I feel, I feel a breakthrough, Rama. This is an important sermon. This is a landmark day for us as God's people. Um, do you remember when we used to say about the church, we can't compete with Disney World. We can't say that anymore because we are competing with Disney World. There's other things about the, the remodel of this sanctuary. that Not any of these people, but early on there was people that consulted and wanted us to get fog machines and they were serious and I know that that look, look at me that's sad we can compete remember we used to go the nightclubs they got more than we got not anymore we got bigger lighting rigs and sound bigger Subs, not subway, and I'm talking about like base subwoofers. We're competing, but it's a sham because his presence isn't there. If he stops showing up, I'm either going to figure it out or I'm going to stop showing up. You shouldn't come if he doesn't come. How many of you come because he's been coming? Come on. Come on, stand to your feet. Jesus at the center of it all. It's a new song. It's an old new song. Jesus at the center of it all. Take it from the top again, Jesus. 
Jesus at the center of it
center of their church. Jesus be the center of your church. Let's sing it out, church. Come on. Jesus be the center of your church. And every knee will bow. Every tongue shall confess you. Father, we pledge that this is your church. When we gather, it's in your name. For everything is for you, to you, and from you. Forgive us, Lord. Forgive us for making it about other things. And forgive us, Lord, in this country for making this a business, an enterprise, and not a sacred holy place. Forgive us for moving on without your presence. And Lord, here at Restoration, we're grateful because as we sang earlier, on many faces, your glory is radiating because our ears are hearing your word and your glory is covering the earth and affecting our lives. And we sense your calling and your spirit for such a time as this. And we thank you, Father, that the gates of hell will not prevail or hold back or limit your church in this hour. For you are victorious. The tomb is empty. And you are coming back soon. And we're going to be ready to meet you on that great coronation day. In Jesus' name we pray. Can somebody say amen this morning? Praise your name, Lord. If you are with us this morning, I feel just directed differently here at the end. We've been, the last couple of Sundays, talking a lot about church and not personal spirituality. And... There's a lot of reasons that we're doing that, but I don't want you to feel, if you're here and you're troubled, you're, you need prayer or ministry. I wanna ask some of the elders together with me at the end, I wanna ask Pastor Mun and some of the staff, just be prepared. If you're here this morning, I'm getting calls and text messages, and I know the Lord is sending a lot of people with a lot of needs to our church, and we don't wanna neglect caring for you. We're here to pray and to believe for God's best for you. Amen? Come on, am I, is that all right? Amen? And um, so we're here to help you. But when we talk about church, it's you need a good life-giving circle of people, strong believers around you. 2020 was a year that's being revealed and that we need that. When my daughter got married in September, Candace and I went to bed thankful for many things, but one of them was the family of this church. The things you walk through in life reveal that you need to be a part of a, a fold of sheep. And may you, if it's not this one, may you find one that cares for your soul and sets you up to fulfill the call of God on your life. Is that fair? Come on, turn and tell somebody next to you. I'm glad he said that because I've been trying to tell you that for the last five years. All right.
We're going to dismiss in just a second. And uh, for those of you, we invite everybody to stay and enjoy lunch on us. And um, help if you're here wanting to get involved in our church, there's plenty of opportunity. And so we'll move from here and go and enjoy that. So may the Lord bless you, keep you, make his face shine upon you, be gracious unto you. May he lift up his countenance on you and give you peace. You receive it. Amen. God bless y'all. Have a great day. We love you. Nothing